like to thank Jen for the bluesed up version of that song there. I really love the blues. I really love that. <laughs> well, I'm a little off this morning. I last, uh, didn't get a good night's sleep last night. Worked hard all yesterday, so you know I was so tired. It was like, it's time to go to bed, and Sure enough, I hit the pillow, and I'm wide awake. I'm just laying there like, okay. I was waiting for my son to come home from uh, prom. I, I mean homecoming. I mean, the way it is these days, homecoming's like prom anymore. Anyways, they come home, and so, okay, I can go to bed. And uh, I did not sleep at all. I mean, it was horrible. Now, Neola says I snored like a bear all night long, and, you know, the whole thing, and, and I've been known to have night terrors on occasion, so I'll wake up screaming bloody murder in the night or something, and it's happened so often now, my kids, you hear somebody down the hall, shut up! It's like, I get no sympathy, you know, so. So about 4.30, 5 o'clock, I'm, I'm laying in bed, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, you'll... you'll I don't want to give away what the, the message is about yet, but I'm thinking about that, and it seems ironic. I, I'm, I'm laying there thinking about, there's a, a story in the Bible where, where David was serving in, the, you know, for, in, in the, the palace, and Saul was there, and God sent this demon to torment him, and it got him all stirred up, and you know, the only thing, David would play music, and that would make it all better. So sure enough, we're trying to sleep, and I hear the door creak open, and Next thing I know, something jumps on the bed. I'm like, what is that? And I'm a cat. I'm like, we don't ever have cats up, in, in, up there. Yeah, you know, what's, so it's like, get this cat. Neola sits up, and she's asleep, and just picks the cat up and out, throws it out the door. Okay. Back to bed. About 10 minutes later. Here we go again. So this time I got the cat, took it out, and threw it outside. I'm thinking if you know, Saul, God didn't need a demon; He just needed a cat. That would have been enough to mess Saul up. So then I can't sleep. Somebody is up running around the house. Hear the door slam. Boom! I'm like, it's like five o'clock in the morning. Somebody put the dog out. Well, in the process, guess who they let back in the house? So sure enough, I'm like, how did he get back in the house? So I'm laying there, I can't sleep, I've thrown the cat out now, we've thrown it out for the third time, and we like to listen to music, you know, at night, we could get, keep the radio going all night long, and soft pop hits, rock, you know, that kind of thing. And for some reason, on Sunday mornings, they decide to they, they, they do these talk shows at like 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, who's up to listen to these things at 6 o'clock on Sunday morning? So I'm laying here in bed, I can't sleep, and on the radio they're talking about how to, how to give yourself a, a breast exam and how you, I need to go get a mammogram. And So I got that going for me too, so, you know. So what a morning. So I get here and then... Jimmy comes up and he goes, "Ah, Tuesday, Tuesday's the day. We're going to, you know, 
our little middle school team is going to play a game, and we're going to play Colton, Colton, the Northwestern Warriors. Of course, I'm thinking all the way to Friday. I'm thinking, well, Eli's not here. He's not around. He's like, him, him, Colton. And I'm like, uh, totally out of it. Oh, well, I will persevere here. Um, in a little bit, we're going to have a vote, a very important vote. And before we get into things here, I, I want to reiterate something and, and a, a moment of thanksgiving. I've had a lot of people uh, come to me and say a lot of nice things to me and, oh, wow, you're doing great and we just love you, you know, and I appreciate all of those things. But I just want to, again, point out that you know, I'm, I'm a member of this church who saw a need and I really felt convicted I need to do something to help. And so I've been serving as your lay pastor in that capacity. I have no intentions of ever being the pastor, the full-time pastor of this church, okay? I've heard people say, we're going to vote for John. We're going to, don't vote for John. John's not up for a vote, okay? I appreciate the sentiments, but uh, what we need is somebody who's involved in full-time ministry, somebody who's dedicated their life to serving Jesus Christ in a full-time ministerial capacity. That takes training, that takes dedication, that takes experience. And we want somebody who, who fits those qualifications. And I think our, our search committee has looked at over different people and, and different things. And I'm not going to endorse any one particular person over another. We're all intelligent, thinking people. I laughed and said, you know, you ought to just save yourself all the time. You ought to just do a vote like they did in the New Testament. Just, you just draw little straws out. Oh, there you go. There's the winner. I mean, to save yourself all the hassle. So, But uh, no, I mean, we're a, a very congregational style church. We believe in letting the congregation have their say, and this is going to be your opportunity to do that. So I would encourage everybody to stick around, those who are voting members, stick around, and you're going to get a chance to participate in that, that wonderful process. So, well, last week I gave a, a pretty serious message. And uh, if we can move on here in our, our slide, I'll wake Eric up back there. Oh, there he is. Christian life is serious business. That's what I used to think. It is really serious. And in the Christian life... Uh, you know, one of, some of the earliest verses that I ever read were about taking up your cross and follow me. And, and uh, therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has, he can't be my disciple. And I'm thinking, wow, this Christianity sure is serious. What, what are we going to do with all this? I mean, this is like no fun at all. Sackcloth and ashes, <laughs> weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I'm thinking, why would any of us want to sign up for that? And as we move on, um, the Christian, you know, this Christian life thing, have you ever asked yourself, what have we gotten ourselves into? Those who were just baptized uh, last week, uh, I have to tell you, Todd, I, uh, I shared your baptism video with Mr. Busher. Do you remember Mr. Busher? He rejoiced, he thought that was the greatest thing. He ever saw. So you never know what you're, you know, right from there, your testimony is already starting to impact 
other people. But you're going to have the time, you're going to ask yourself, what have I gotten myself into? Here are some promises from the Bible. The world's going to hate us. Wow. Let's all join a club where everybody hates us. Wow, that's going to be great. Wonderful. Oh, becoming like Christ means I have to die to myself every day. Oh, that doesn't sound fun. Dying can't be all that great. What have we gotten ourselves into here? Um, you know, if we focus on things like what happened in Nevada a couple weeks ago and all of the other horrible things that have happened and the things that, that go on in our own lives, it would be very discouraging. I think what we need, though, is a little bit of a balance here. If we move on, I think it's because God wants us to have He wants us to have fun. He wants us to have some fun, too. It's not all sackcloth and ashes. Not everything has to be so serious. Why so serious? All right, well, the Joker doesn't go to church here, I don't think. Uh, but we need some balance because God wants us to have some fun, too. And I think, you know, God has to have a sense of humor. I'm not going to go into the, the Bill Cosby bit. God has a sense of humor. Cosby kind of ran his course, and he's totally lost his credibility. But if you look at these next pictures, you can't tell me that God doesn't have a, some sort of a sense of humor. Just go to the zoo. This guy on the top left over here, you know, I think I used to live next to that guy. I did not like that guy. But uh, yeah, you all know these people, <laughs> these animals. God, when he created the world and the way that he did it, there's such a variety of, of life. It truly is a miracle in and of itself. Now, I'm not one that, you know, you've got science or faith, you have to pick one or the other. And I think, you know, they're, just, they're apples and oranges. They're a little bit different things. Science kind of tells you the hows, and faith tells you the whys, and just kind of different things, but what a diversity. God's got to be very creative, and in his creativity, he has to have some fun. Now, fun, of course, is a term that we humans have made up. You know, what God thinks is funny is probably not what we think is funny. The Bible, in a few verses, does talk about what God thinks is funny. He laughs at people who think they know better than he does. God laughs at those who think they're so mighty. You know, God probably looks down and he probably, jeez, <laughs> you guys crack me up. You think you're all that. Man, he gets a chuckle out of that. But I think God does have some sort of a, a sense of creative humor. And we are created in the image of God, and I believe that all of us as we go through life, it's not meant to be sackcloth and ashes the whole time, where we are doom and gloom, and I need to be more pious and more serious. Let's move on. I think God wants us to celebrate life. In Deuteronomy chapter four, or excuse me, chapter sixteen, and this is you know God has listed out some of the different things that are uh, you know this is uh, important for the the new nation. The Hebrew people, this is what we're going to do, and, and some instructions. And for seven days you shall keep the feast to the Lord your God at the place that the Lord will choose. 
Because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the works of your hands so that you will be altogether bummed out, depressed. No, so you can be joyful, so you can be happy. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to, to dance. You're not going to catch me dancing, but hey, you know, it's out there if you, if you want to dance. I, I love the diversity of churches and the way that people worship. Uh, you have some churches that are the frozen chosen. They just kind of sit there. Praise the Lord. You know, that's about it. And you got those who, they'll... They'll raise their hands a little bit. They get a little braver. Every once in a while, then you'll get this. But we've actually been to some churches, visited some churches where they were dancing up and down the aisles. And I told you, when I was a little kid, I can remember some of the Pentecostal services. I mean, they were flopping around like a fish out of water. And you're like, what is going on here? Uh, Praise the Lord. There you go, brother. Away they go. But... I do think the idea is there. God loves to see us celebrate. He loves it when he sees his people happy. Now, we know that life isn't meant to be 100% happy all the time. There are ups and downs, peaks and valleys. But throughout all of that, God wants to see us happy. He wants us to celebrate. He wants us to find joy. Joy is a little bit different than the idea of happiness. We think of happiness as, oh, this is great. Joy is something a little bit different. We'll get into that here. Uh, some other things to think about. Jesus himself, as we move ahead, Jesus often celebrated. I mean, Jesus probably understood and knew his role in things and would come to know how it was to end and, you know, If I knew that was my destiny, I don't know how happy I would be. But he found time throughout his earthly ministry to celebrate. In fact, early in his ministry, he would would go around, he would meet with uh, tax collectors, Pharisees, sinners. They'd have parties. And uh, in fact, um, there were... uh, Some Pharisees were criticizing him. They're like, look at John the Baptist. Now that guy was serious. I mean, he ate locusts and honeycomb, and he wore sackcloth, and he didn't have anything. That guy was righteous. But look at you, Jesus. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, yeah, he's he's crazy, he's a demon. But you, Jesus, you came eating and drinking. Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard. How dare you, Jesus, show up at a feast and partake of the food? Maybe have a drink of the wine. Heck, Jesus turned the water into wine. Not for the purpose of getting blasted, but to demonstrate who he was. Jesus was at banquets all the time. He had to have had some fun at these different places. I don't believe that having a good time is a, is a sin. But let's not forget, we are called to a godly life. Not a rip-roaring, all, you know, no-holds-barred experience of laughter and fun, but a godly life. Let's move on. 
How do I know when my fun might be displeasing to God? You think about the things that you think are funny, the things that you, you look at, the things that you read, the things that you experience on the internet. Is our actions pleasing to God? Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So you're going to tell a joke. Ask yourself, uh, I'm going to tell this joke in the name of Jesus. Ooh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I don't want to tell that joke. Or maybe uh, I want to click on this link and it's going to take me down a road that I don't know if it's going to end well. You going to click those links in the name of Jesus? I hope not. Give thanks to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Are our actions pleasing to God? It's not always what we do that makes things evil, but sometimes it's the way others see it. Let me give you an example. I, uh, we can go ahead to the next, next slide here. I, uh, years ago, I used to play bass in the worship team. And there was a time, I used to lead the worship Okay, and I'd be up here singing. And I've always had a back that's not good, the tallest back. Okay, that's what we call them. All my kids have it. Kayla has it. And, you know, about mid-20s, it's like, ugh. You just, it just it hurts. It's just something. So I used to get a bar stool like this, and I would sit up here with a guitar, and, and I'd sing, praise the Lord, you know, the whole thing. And that was fine. And then one Sunday I showed up and the bar stool was gone. I'm like, somebody took my bar stool. Where did it go? I'm looking around for it. I can't find it. So a couple Sundays go by still. Like somebody took that bar stool. I come to find out somebody in the church, somebody who doesn't go here, hasn't gone here for a long time, they were offended at that bar stool. It reminded them of, of, of the days when when, as a little girl, her father would make her go to the bar, and, and he would drink, and she'd sit there on the bar stool, and she just didn't think a bar stool was a place for, for church. And so they told me about that, and, and you know, my reaction could have been one of two things. Oh, please, come on, give me a break. Who is this person? Let me go talk to him. This is ridiculous. Just a bar stool. But I got a bad back. You ever hold a bass? The bass thing, that thing weighs a ton. So I'm like, you know what I did? I let it go. You know why? Because of, because of the Bible. Does my fun, the things that I find pleasing, does that offend somebody? The scripture, and I've, darn it, I did not put down exactly where it was, but it'll come to me here. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. That bar stool was a stumbling block. It was a hindrance to somebody's faith, to somebody's ability to worship God. Does that sound spiritually immature? It might be. But the fact is, I could have demanded my bar stool back 
But I didn't. Why? Because I knew that that offended somebody. It was a stumbling block to another person. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but, it's, if it's, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. If you grieve your friends, your family, because of the things that you do, demanding that, oh, I have all the rights in the world to do this. I'm going to fly this flag because it's my right, even though you know it offends people. I'm going to do this. I'm going to post this, and I don't care if it upsets everybody on Facebook. I'm go- Think about that. Jesus calls us to godly living. To godly living. If your brother is grieved by what you eat, or you post, or you fly, or you do whatever, you're no longer walking in love. And it goes on and talks about some other things there. Are the things that you claim as fun? Because God wants us to have fun. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to live a joyful life. But are the things that you enjoy, is that causing another to stumble? Would a blue remark or a dirty joke cause another person to stumble? Would something you post, and I've known godly Christians who love to get into arguments on the internet and just bash people, this is the truth, and you're like, wow, yeah, I guess so, but man, I feel like, if I feel terrible, you just run me over. I don't know if that's necessarily what God calls us to do. Let's move ahead. Uh, Galatians 5.22. We get into this idea of joy. Joy is, uh, thank goodness, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. As you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit becomes part of you. God sends His Spirit as a helper to, to be with you. And some of the things that if you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, that you'll start to exhibit Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Focus in there on joy. God has given you, through the Holy Spirit, the spirit of joy. It's all right. Give yourself permission to be happy. Some people will not let themselves be happy. There is a freedom that is found in Christ. The forgiveness of sin. We're all going to screw up. We're all going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. But if you're saved, if you're part of the family of Christ, Jesus paid the penalty for that. That's something to be happy about. That's the freedom that we're talking about. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm not a slave to the things that held me down in the past because Christ died for those sins. God wants me to have a life filled with joy. Now, joy, again, is not exactly, you know, rip-roaring, you know, like we're at the comedy club and we're just bowled over laughing all the time. There's a security in joy. John chapter 10, verse 10, as we, we move on. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may 
they might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to give you life and that you would have it abundantly, not just a little bit, but that you would have a full and abundant life, a life filled with freedom through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a freedom there. That brings joy. The world, Jesus was talking about Satan here, but the world, they come only to steal and kill and destroy. So many of the things that the kids find so fascinating these days, it leads them down a bad path. They want to steal your life, kids. They want to destroy it. Ultimately, they want you dead. I've seen this over and over again in the lives of kids. Jesus is not about stealing your fun away, killing all your sense of humor, and and destroying all the laughing that you, you could have had hanging out with your friends. He came to give you life so that you could have it abundantly. A lot of it. A life, a full life. Let's look ahead back to, uh, to Jeremiah of all places. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God wants you to have a life, a full, abundant, joyful life. I was talking to a, a, a guy a long time ago. I took some classes at Cedarville one time in Cedarville College, University. And this, this guy was a Bible student. And he, he wanted to point out to me, now that verse, if you do a careful exegesis of the passage, he's not talking about us. He's talking about the people of, of Israel and and they've been let out of captivity. And I'm like, I'm like, I bet you're a lot of fun at parties, buddy. <laughs> you know. But I, no, I think this applies to us too today. God wants to give you a future and a hope. And with hope comes joy. The idea that things are bad sometimes, but I'm saved. Things are not good sometimes, but God is still God, and God loves me. Let's move ahead. One of the saddest books in the Bible, Nehemiah. One long, wah story, I mean, if you read it. They said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. They were getting ready to go back and rebuild the wall again for like, I think, the third time. And uh, before the work gets going, God wants his people, look, there are some serious days ahead. It's not always going to be fun. But I want you right now to celebrate in the name of me, (laughs) of the Lord. Go and have fun. We're not eating manna here. We're not picking things up off the ground. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet wine, the good stuff. Have some fun. If you got somebody there that doesn't have any, share it with them. 
We're going to have a good time, for today is a celebration. A celebration in the name of the Lord. The joy that you find in this as we celebrate together, the joy that we find as we, we do little things as a church, eating uh, what, chili down there. I don't know about some of that chili. Some of it's marked atomic. Some of it's nuclear. Gee, man, I don't know if I'm going to eat that. But anyways, the joy that you find together celebrating in my name, that's not wimpy. That's not silly. When we sing together as a church and we have fun and we tease one another and, and, and little things like Larry te- teasing, those things bring us together because it creates joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength, not a weakness. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I got one last story here to look at, and uh, I'll talk about chilies making me hungry here. So we're going to uh, Acts chapter five. If you have your, your your Bibles, I don't think I have the whole story up here, but most of you know this story. Acts chapter five. Oh, well, the disciples were out. Uh, basically, they're out telling people about God. And the, uh, the council of the, the Pharisees were like, you guys need to cool it. We got rid of Jesus, and you, you, we'll get rid of you too if you don't knock it off. And so the disciples, that's, that's, pretty, that's a bummer, you know. <laughs> the, people are, you know the guys that got rid of Jesus, well, they're, they're, they might come for us. They might get us. And sure enough, the, uh, the disciples are all brought in and uh, they ask them, you know, what are you doing? Uh, chapter 5, verse 37, we'll start this. After this man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the census, drew some people away. This is in the middle of a warning here. One of the Pharisees is making the point, look, there was a guy who came up one time. He said he was all that and nothing happened. He just flopped. He's gone. Same thing will happen to these guys. If they're from God, though, you're not going to be able to stop them. You can't stand against God. So in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan of action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found fighting against God. That's pretty, pretty good advice. They took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then released them. Flogging was not a fun experience. Maybe some of you older generation, when you were younger, maybe you got the belt. That's, that's, that's bad enough. But flogging, sometimes would, would, uh, you know, they would take, the, take a piece of leather and cut it into strips. Sometimes they would even fix little pieces of bone or rock into it. So when they lashed you, I mean, it really hurt. And it would dig in. So the apostles are flogged, all of them together. And then they ordered them, do not speak in the name of Jesus, and they throw them out. 
What would you do? What would I do? I'd be crawling away. What have I gotten myself into? So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. They walked out of there going, yes! Look at that mark! I am worthy! There was enough evidence against me to convict me in a court of law that said, I am a Christian. And these stripes, these these tears in my flesh, I wear that as a sign of, of significance because I'm worthy to suffer in the name of Jesus. That, my friends, is joy. Joy in the midst of pain and suffering. It's not always easy to praise God when things are difficult. But in the midst of that, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, I'm no prosperity gospel guy. I know some guys on TV, they're, you know, God wants you all to be a millionaire. And he wants you to live in a big old house and drive all these cars and you know, if you just send, uh, you know, 50 bucks into this ministry, well, I'll pray and make sure you get your reward. You know, no, that's, uh, that's a huckster. Many will come in the name of God. Many will come claiming to be in the name of Jesus themselves. Jesus himself said, don't listen to them. People will come to deceive you. Don't listen to them. But God does want you to have joy in your life. You're not going to find joy in a big house, souped up hot rod. Man, I'd love to have some of them cars, though. Man, the other day, coveting. I kept going around muttering, coveting's a sin, coveting. Oh, I want that. We can have joy at all times. That's something that can't be taken away, whether you're rich or poor. I always, one of the reasons I love my grandmother so much, she was dirt poor. She didn't have two nickels to rub together. She used to get her welfare check, and she would give it away to people. People would bring her groceries. She'd give her the groceries away to other people. My mom used to scold her all the time. What are you doing? You can't do that. That's what... Oh, they needed it. But somebody who had the joy of the Lord, oh, such a blessing, such a blessing, such an example to show. So yeah, we've got some uh, difficult days. We've been through some difficult days. But all of us together, as we celebrate God, let's understand that that brings us joy, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. So are we having fun yet? I hope so. If the worship team would come forward, we'll continue to worship God.